Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you all? I missed you all. So good to be home. Thank you. Oh, what a couple of weeks. Lots happened in the last couple of weeks. Um, those of you who don't know, I finally got to get away after a very, very long time. I took off and came back from Hawaii a couple of years ago, and then the whole world decided to shut down. And then uh, finally, this uh, last couple of weeks, my wife and I, we finally were able to get away. Overall, for the most part, it was great. I had two things in life that I wanted to do in the two weeks that I was away, to eat a lot of great food and to sleep a lot. <laughs> I accomplished both. I was able to gain, gain five pounds. And uh, yeah, it was nice for the most part. I was able to get some good rest. And it was nice to finally have the ability to kind of put things in perspective sometimes. When you go, 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 and you get tired, it's, it's hard to uh, think clearly. So when you can, take a break. Somebody is texting me really, ridiculously, so I'm going to silence them. <laughs> All right. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, as we continue our journey through the book of Peter, may you lead and guide us. Help us to take what you want us to learn. Help us in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Back in 2017, the Philadelphia Eagles were on a roll. Hey. Can't always say it was like that forever. However, former quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles and Super Bowl MVP, Nick Foles got to play late in 2017 due to an injury because their starter, Carson Wentz, went down with a bad injury. And after surprising everybody with their Super Bowl win, guess what happens? The starter, Carson Wentz, was ready to play in week three of the 2018 season and Foles, who was the MVP, who'd taken the team the distance, was suddenly relegated to being a backup again. Do you remember this story? I was reading, I was like, what are they doing? They got a great quarterback. You know, a lot of us probably in that situation would be very, very upset. There was a lot of debate. Should Foles be the backup? Should he not? I mean, should the M Super Bowl MVP really be relegated to being a backup? Many people gave their two cents, maybe $2 worth, actually, from fans, former, current players, coaches. They were all adamant in their decision. Carson Wentz, or Foles, was the right one, was a smarter one. But Foles made a, a comment or statement that surprised many people. He took up 
he took his demotion, relegation, whatever you want to call it, pretty well. In fact, in his book in 2018 that came out, uh, it was called Believe It, Foles writes, what they saw as a riches to rags sports story, I saw as God's plan. I've said all along that my desire is to play for God's glory, not mine, and that's exactly what I plan to do. My unique path from backup to Super Bowl MVP to backup again is a powerful message to share with people. And God has given me an ideal platform to do that from. To cheerfully return as a backup role after reaching the pinnacle of the sport contradicts everything the world tells us about success, fame, money, and self-worth. To me, it's a tangible reminder that we're all called to humility and a life of service. Some people might think I deserve a better deal, but it's not about what I deserve. It's never been about that. The truth is that I've already been given far more than I deserve. A wonderful family, a job I love, grace and forgiveness, great friends and coaches and teammates. Everything I have is a gift from God. And I am thankful for all of that. I am where I am now because of God's grace, and I'll continue to follow wherever he leads. I honestly could say I think that's it. We're done for the day. <laughs> what a powerful, humble attitude. Amen? He achieved the highest peak, something that he'd been dreaming since he was a boy. He achieved that not only did, he, did they win the Super Bowl, but he was named the Super Bowl MVP, the most valuable player. And then the next season in week three, you're back to being a backup. Not many people would take that well. Some would question, well, I've been loyal. I've given everything. I mean, especially in football, you literally, you are one play away from potentially being injured. And yet he leads with humility. He leads with the ideal frame of mind in that I'm simply just a humble servant, something that God all aspires us to do. And as we, as we dig into 1 Peter, we're going to be talking a lot. We're going to give, mainly today is going to be an overview of parts of 2, 3, and 4. And just so you know, folks, we're not going to be able to get through all of First and Second Peter. As you read, take time every day in the week uh, through your books. Take time to read and, and get the whole perspective. But Peter is writing, and especially in chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, he's talking about, dear friends, I urge you as for foreigners and exiles. He's writing to a group of people that uh, probably new believers, but they're in a place where the gospel is hostile to those around them. Basically, to live good, such good lives among the pagans that they accuse you of doing nothing wrong, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us, to be an example for God, to be an instrument for the Lord. So Peter is reaching out. He's sending a note of encouragement to all of the, the, the churches in Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia. 
But it's not easy because these churches, the believers, they're dealing with several groups that are essentially trying to maybe either get rid of them, to try to get them to go away because their way of life and what they're thinking in some ways is also a threat to the government, to those who literally lord over them, and even from the perspective of the family. So today we're talking about submission to authority and peer pressure. Let's look at the context of what Peter is talking about. So as we go forward, There we go. Living faithfully and submitting. When you hear the word submitting or submission or submit, what comes to mind? To what? Giving up power. Okay, what else? Being taken advantage of. Okay. You're what? Surrender. Okay, some people might think, oh, you're just going to be a doormat. Now, when we look at the life of Jesus, was Jesus a doormat? No. Was he humble? Was he firm, though? Was he strong? Did he submit himself? Yeah, he submitted himself to the Father, and he led a life of humility, but also in submission. Something that we also... Are, are called to do. And it's not that we're giving up who we are and trying to be doormats, but truly to be a faithful, gospel, a faithful disciple or follower of Jesus is to be humble and to submit to one another as Ephesians uh, 5 also talks about. So who is Peter talking about when it comes to submission? And in the first context, it is... Oh, sorry that of the governing authorities. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17. Um, and so those of you maybe who are going to be looking through your Bibles, First uh, and Second Peter is towards the back, way back. After Hebrews and James you'll find 1 Peter. And so in verse 13, it says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether it is the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governor who has sent sent by him to punish those who do wrong, and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing what? Good. You should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. So in the context of not only just, let's just say the government, but even our culture, 
What's God calling us to do? Submit? Should we drive the speed limit? <laughs> there are some reasons, yeah, we should. Otherwise, you know, if it's 65, but we're doing 122, that's safe for everybody? No, I've never done that. I've never hit 122, I haven't. There was a governor on my car, sadly. <laughs> but I remember one day, I was driving really fast. I had a really super awesome Honda Accord. It was a manual. <laughs> I miss that car. Driving up the mountains was awesome. And weaving through traffic was awesome. Until I realized, I learned the power of force, meaning a sudden stop, didn't necessarily feel good. Not in a car, on my bike. And I realized, you know, if I go too fast, I'm not only gonna hurt myself, but I'm also probably going to hurt somebody else. Should we pay our taxes? Some people debate that. <laughs> what did Jesus say? Go pay to the authorities, right? The surrounding authorities. Um, God calls us to be faithful even to the governing authorities around us. What does that mean, though? How far? Well, obviously, love, do good. In fact, it says do good so much that essentially nobody can blame you for anything, right? To be a faithful person, to live well, to be kind to one another, so much so that they're not going to have anything against you. Because religion was, it's not that they weren't atheists, they believed in other gods, but they didn't believe according to the believer's God. And so God is calling Jesus saying, hey, live well, live like me. God, is, God wants us to be faithful uh, ambassadors, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, for the gospel. Now, uh, let's go to the next one. Submitting to the non-believing slave masters. So back in the day, slavery was also uh, common. And it wasn't by race. It, I mean, it could be, but more than anything, you had people, for instance, who actually became indentured servants. They didn't have a way to pay for anything. So, well, I'm going to contractually, let's just say, I'll work for you for five years, 10 years, or if you have a debt, you become a slave. And imagine you're a believer, but you're under the rulership of a slave master, and they can pretty much do whatever they want. How do you respond to that? Let's go to verse 18. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to who? Your masters. Not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are what? Harsh. For it is commendable. If someone bears up pain under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it, how is it your, to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? 
But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not what? He didn't retaliate. There was no repercussions on his part. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judged justly. He bore himself our sins in his body on the cross that we might be, die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been what? Healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Now, this is something that they could not get out of because, you know, so how do you respond? You're a believer, but you're owned or you're, you have a contract. You can't escape it. If you do, you'll be arrested. Maybe you will be killed. It's not going to end well for you. What is Peter's advice? Despite all of the, the persecution that you may be experiencing, be a faithful disciple. Be a faithful follower of God. Live by a good example. Now, the next part, we're going to cause some eyebrows. As it says in the Bible, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. And I know there's some hair going on the back of your necks. I ain't never going to submit. I am my own person. In the context here, though, back in Peter's time, we've talked about this several times. Women's value, their place in the social hierarchy was not up here. It was down here, unfortunately. Because in the home, who was Lord? The man or the husband. They were Lord of everything. And so what Peter is saying now, there were believers who were married to unbelieving spouses. So what should they do? Should they just try to run away? No. Peter is saying, hey, if you have the opportunity, be a shining example. As Paul also says, be a shining example that you might win them over. But in this context here, um, a woman couldn't just go away. She couldn't work like you can today. She was at the mercy of her spouse. First Peter, uh, sorry, First Peter 3, verses 1 through 6. Wives, in the same way, submit yourself to your own husband so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the what? Behavior or example of their wife. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, you should not come from outward adornments such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of gentle and quiet spirit and which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters. If you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Let me ask you now, okay? So uh, how, how should I frame this? You know, originally, the first thing that we talked about is governing authorities. 
we should follow the rule of the law, especially when it comes to driving on the roads. We should pay our taxes. There is purpose. In fact, even Romans talks about, Paul says, we should follow what the government says so long as it you know, doesn't cause us to go against God's principles. Amen? Now, non-believing slave master, unbeliever, ever dealt with a bad boss? Ever dealt with a tyrant? And maybe you have good ideas, or maybe they're just a really mean person. You could use stronger language, but you know, there's children here, so. <laughs> they say all kinds of un, uh, unbelievable things. They deride you, they call you out, they say uh, mean names, and they're just uncompromising. They're, uh, they're a micromanager. In many ways, we can't escape it because maybe we've got to make money in order to live. We got to have food on the table. We have to have a house over our car. We have to have medicine. How can we relate to that? There are times where, yeah, maybe you just have a really bad boss. Love them many ways. Be a shining example. And I'll tell you what, what's the best way to turn your boss around? To do a really great job and to be humble. Take notes. And as they see you taking notes, being deliberate, understanding, you listen, pray, you know, as you develop a relationship with them, just maybe their attitude may change towards you. When it comes to a, a spouse, being married to a spouse who's un, an unbeliever, set an example of God's love and grace and that they may see God working in your lives and that they too may be drawn to the Lord by your example. Amen? Amen. Now, how do we deal with all of this? Well, let's go to the next slide. Peter has some examples of things that we can live. Relationship principles, live harmoniously, be united as you work with one another, with the people who, Dealing with people who, are, who don't necessarily believe in the context of our, our culture or, you know, the government. Ever dealt with a difficult person out in real life? <laughs> Is it always easy to be harmonious? Do we all agree in the same thing in our country? Some of you are chuckling. It's like, Pastor Chris, have you not watched the last couple of years? No, we're at odds oftentimes. But God is calling us to be a faithful example, to live harmoniously, to live united. Doesn't necessarily mean we're always going to agree though, amen? But I think, I bet you we have way more common ground than we, we probably think, and let's work together. But also, let's be sympathetic with one another. We're all, we all have our own individual battles that we're dealing with, some more than others, and, Everybody, for instance, has a cup of how much they can deal with things. Some people, they've got the big gulp, and some, they have a really small teacup. May we be mindful and loving as we deal with one another. Let's be concerned about one another. Love one another. Sometimes that can be the hardest thing ever, amen? Especially when you've been disappointed or you've been stabbed in the back. But God calls us to love one another, to be compassionate 
to have sympathy, to understand, and finally, more than anything, to be humble. The longer I'm in leadership, the one thing that I, I've realized that's true is if you want to be a really great leader, what's the first thing you need to do? Set the example, yes, but be humble. And what does that look like? Listen. Does a leader always have to have the best plan? Where do the best plans come from? As a group. And if you're humble enough and you're able to submit yourself, to let other ideas come through, just maybe it'll be a better plan. And when you involve other people, are they going to be stoked about that when you take their ideas and you formulate it? Because they have buy-in. It's just like, it's like that with all of your relationships, whether to believers or unbelievers. Sorry, let me go back one more time as well. Let's go to verse 7. Now, in the context of marriage, we were dealing with the unbelieving husband. But Peter in verse 7, chapter 3, verse 7, is also doing something really radical. He's saying, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with what? Respect. And also in Ephesians 5, you know, everybody, everybody takes that verse where it says, wives, submit to your husbands. What does it say, though, in the, first, the verse before that? Submit to everyone. Respect everyone. There's no, when it says everyone, it literally means everyone. And both of these verses are implying this is something that's radical. It's going against the grain of what society at that time is telling them. It's revolutionary to respect your spouse, to have it on an equal level field. What? And this is applicable to all of us. If you truly love your spouse, love them, care for them. And especially even Ephesians 5, guys, are you, all it says for the, for the wife is to respect her husband, submit, but same thing. Guys are supposed to respect, but the onus is on the guy. Are you ready to die for your wife as it continues? No comment? <laughs> what I'm trying to say, my friends, what Peter is trying to say, love well. Live by these examples. Be harmonious. Be sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble, not just to those who are your fellow believers, but to the authorities, to the culture, to your boss or whoever is a perennial uh, master in your life. And also to your spouse. Now, what I'm also not saying to you is for those of you perhaps who to submit to your spouse, but your spouse beats you, I'm not saying put up with that either. Let's just be very clear about that. Okay? Abuse is never acceptable. But love your spouse. And, and I'm not trying to say put up with stuff because hopefully they'll change. Very rare. Doesn't mean, submitting doesn't mean you have to be a coward either. We have a community here and we will help you if need be. So support. Support is important in our church and in, as a group, as a community, being sympathetic to support, to love, to be compassionate, and more than anything, be ready to serve and be humble.
<laughs> Let's go to the next slide. It's oftentimes, too, I know we're almost done, we're, but in chapter 4, it talks about the fact that the disciples were being uh, ridiculed, they were being persecuted, and oftentimes when those things happen, what starts to happen is peer pressure tempts us to slip into what? Conformity, rather than standing by our convictions. My friends, have faith. May God strengthen and encourage you to go forth, even when somebody doesn't agree with you. Love them in spite of their, how, their attitude, their thoughts. Live by principle. And let's go to the next slide. The last thing, oh, the, thing, the last thing that I would like to point out is that when we go through challenging times, Jesus is able to identify with our own struggles. Because ultimately, as we were reading earlier, Jesus probably suffered the most. Amen? It can easily identify with our problems, and we can always go to God with anything, knowing that Jesus is aware and wants to walk that journey with us. So, uh, for our, let's go to the next slide. For our reflection, has your understanding of submission in the Bible changed? And if so, how? And for the challenge part, <laughs> I want you to choose one, or, one to two of the five relationships of being humble, compassionate, sympathetic, loving, harmonious. Choose one or two of those this week. And I want you to go out into the wild of the world. I want you to practice this. Go to a, uh, maybe go to a restaurant that tends to, uh, tends to be maybe difficult and practice love, practice sympathy. Maybe you have a boss that's just cantankerous and mean. Live harmoniously. Listen, be humble, love, be sympathetic. And in your own family as well. May you love, may you be humble, may you listen, may you submit, but also don't be afraid. Live with conviction and live with courage just as Jesus did. Father in heaven, thank you for your love and your grace. Be with us. And while you've called us to live lives of faithfulness and to be example and to submit, you've also called us not to be cowards either. Give us strength and courage to choose to do the right thing, even when it's not popular, even when it goes against the grain. And Lord, where there are hardships and where there are unexpected challenges, help us to remember that there is still good in everything. There's good that we can find in anything despite the hardship. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Grace and peace, everybody. Great to see you again.